Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for the morning. We thank you for your grace and sufficiency. Lord, we are bowed before you now, asking for your spirit. Come and abide with us. Come and bless us, that your words may be to us wells of water for today, and strength for the journey. Let your name be exalted for you. Give us this. Even more, for we have asked in Jesus' name. Amen. Our high calling, November 17, Peace in Affliction, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 verse 7 Jesus came to earth to be not only man's redeemer but his great exemplar. He was a perfect life, a life of meekness, lowliness, purity and unlimited trust in God. He taught us practically the great lesson of calm, constant, unwavering confidence in our Heavenly Father. He permits temptations, trials and afflictions to come to His loved ones. They are His providences, visitations of mercy to bring them back when they stray from His side and to give them a deeper sense of His presence and providential care. The peace that passeth understanding is not for those who shrink from trials, from struggles, and from self-denial. The eye of Jesus is upon us every moment. The clouds which intervene between the soul and the Son of Righteousness are in the providence of God permitted to arise that our faith may be strengthened to grasp the great hopes, the sure promises that shine undimmed through the darkness of every storm. Faith must grow through conflict and suffering. We must individually learn to suffer and be strong and not sink down in weakness. It is a great kindness on the part of our Heavenly Father when He allows us to be placed under circumstances that lessen the attractions of earth and lead us to place our affections on things above. Frequently, the loss of earthly blessings teaches us more than their possession. When we pass through trials and afflictions, it is no evidence that Jesus does not love and bless us. The pitying Lamb of God identifies His interest with that of His suffering ones. He guards them every moment. He is acquainted with every grief. He knows every suggestion of Satan, every doubt that tortures the soul. He is pleading the case of the tempted, the erring, and the faithless. He is striving to lift them into companionship with himself. It is his work to sanctify his people, to cleanse, ennoble, and purify them, and fill their hearts with peace. He is thus fitting them for glory, honor, and eternal life, for an inheritance richer and more lasting than that of any earthly prince. Amen.
peace in affliction the first paragraph that says jesus came to earth to be not only man's redeemer but his great exemplar and the example that he is teaching us the great being a great example we can see in his life perfect we can see in his perfect life a life of meekness lowliness purity and unlimited trust in god he taught us practically the great lesson of calm constant unwavering confidence in our heavenly father so this is the great example we find in jesus christ and this is um, how he can be our teacher also because when we follow him then he will teach us how to make sure that this these things will be revealed in our own lives so i read in this uh, connection ministry of healing page 479 it says christ in his life on earth made no plans for himself he accepted god's plans for him and day by day the father unfolded his plans so should we depend upon god that our lives may be the simple outworking of his will as we commit our ways to him he will direct our steps now the bible said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased god never hated christ he loved him so much that in some places in the psalms he calls christ my darling but we see how he dealt with christ all the issues that came about christ all the temptations all the struggles all the trials he permitted them to fall upon his beloved and it is so that in him could be developed a lesson of in him could be developed a life that was calm constant having an unwavering confidence in him and then christ is our example so god wants to do same to us so such that we shall imitate jesus christ we shall have a perfect life a life of meekness lowliness purity and unlimited trust in god sometimes in our lives what we encounter it seems to be as if um, we don't understand and then because we don't understand we waver but in the life of christ he never wavered he never doubted god but we are always in danger of doubting him and so he permits everything that came to that uh, came to christ to come to us so this is why he says continuing in that reading he permits temptations trials and afflictions to come to his loved ones that means he doesn't hate them it is to his loved ones he allows these things to come to these temptations trials and afflictions are his providences they are the visitations of mercy you know we pray god be merciful unto me they are the visitations of mercy to bring them back when they stray from his side and give them a deeper sense of his presence and providential care so when christ allowed god to lead him day by day making no plans for himself this does not mean now that you cannot sit down and maybe with your family and say okay uh, let us see how we can do make sure that this thing come um, this thing happens or this thing happens it, it, what it is saying is that when you're making your plans you surrender them to god to adjust it whenever he wants to adjust it and uh, uh, in whatever way he wants to do it that's what it means so christ he allowed his father to make plans for him adjusting everything in his life and you can see the result meekness lowliness purity and these are things we want also 
and then the, down there down in the reading we see another one that all of us will want the peace that passeth understanding is not for those who shrink from trials from struggles and from self-denial christ is the prince of peace and what qualified him to be thus is the things he under the things he went through under the discipline of his father hebrews 5 verse 8 tells us that though he were a son yet he became he learned obedience by the things which he suffered those things which he suffered produced the peace of God that passed human understanding in him. Imagine when he was being slapped, he never uttered a, a word. He was beaten, he was spat upon, he was blown. Everything was done to him that was inhuman. But no complaint, no murmur came from his lips. He was as peaceful as water. That was how he was. And that's the lesson for us. Now that peace was found when only he bore with trials and the struggles and uh, he experienced the self-denial that his father wanted him to um, experience that was when that peace came and we can have that peace also today that peace that you're looking for in your soul only when you bear that temptation that trial and that affliction meekly and have an unlimited trust in your father while going through that affliction the reason why we don't have peace in our souls is because we we don't understand that it is God that's leading us in the path which we are in. And we think maybe somebody else has done something evil to me and we don't have peace in our heart. Job didn't want that kind of a thing and that was why to have to let the peace remain in his heart, he he gave thanks to God when he was going through his own affliction. I read from Signs of the Times, Signs of the Times, November 25, 1897 paragraph 5 based on this peace thing christ brought this peace with him to the world he carried it with him throughout his earthly life so that peace that he had that passed human understanding he had it with him and carried with carried it with him throughout all the afflictions he was passing because it could never be taken away from him because of that unwavering trust he had in his father and now the time had come when he must give his life in order that that peace might ever abide in their heart by faith so his life was what ensured that we will have the peace also now i skip that skip on down to the end of that uh, paragraph it says his peace was the consciousness of having done the will of his father you see where the, how the peace comes from where the peace comes from his peace was a consciousness of having done the will of his father and that peace in his follower is a consciousness that he is doing the will of god and reflecting his character in good works that is where your peace comes from look away from the trials and the temptations and the afflictions that are coming upon you when you know and you are sure that it is god who is leading you and it is God who has placed you in that area and then you want to learn the lessons he wants you to learn there you will have peace that passes human understanding do you want this peace have, have, have has peace eluded you in your life because of so many threats and so many cares are you one time at peace and the other time you are unsure of where you are standing you don't understand anymore it does happen to me and it does happen to many Christians and it's not a sign of um, weakness it's a sign that doubt has come it's a sign that we no longer see the hand of our father leading us 
But thank God that Christ gave, has given us a perfect example of an unwavering trust, whether in good times or in bad times. So, my brother or my sister, I invite you today and myself also to grab this peace that Christ has ensured to come to every one of us by giving his life. Let us be conscious of the fact that in this place I am, I am sure that my Heavenly Father has led me here, even though I don't see any good thing around me to make me smile. It is Him that has led me here, and I will hold on to His hand and His promises by faith, and I will follow Him, no matter what I experience. Then you will have peace that passes human understanding, and then you will have the seal also that you are God's child. For this was how Christ was made a son indeed. I read again Hebrews 5 verse 8, Though He were a son, Yet suffered he, yet by, yet lent he obedience by the things he suffered. And may God help us that we may learn obedience also in Jesus' name. Amen. The last paragraph of the reading for this devotion that is titled Peace in Affliction. The last paragraph says, It is a great kindness on the part of our Heavenly Father when He allows us to be placed under circumstances that lessen the attractions of earth and lead us to place our affections on things above. Frequently, the loss of earthly blessings teaches us more than their possession. When we pass through afflictions and trials, it is no evidence that Jesus does not love and bless us. Wow, that statement can be a very bitter pill to swallow, but yet it is true that it is actually kindness that makes God take away her earthly blessings. I'll give my own experience. I've said something about it before. Writing my senior school leaving certificate last exam of, of uh, senior secondary school, that's high school. Coming back home, last paper, and I see my mom in the house who has been in the hospital with my dad for months. And she's at home. And I greet her and I ask her, What of dad? How is he doing? And she says, He's fine. Okay, so when are you going back to meet him? And then she says, He sends his greetings. And couldn't tell me more. But my aunt there later told me, Just in a few seconds later, Your father is dead. It, that news came as a big shock to me. I, I never saw that coming at all. Don't know why, I never saw it coming. I left my mom and uh, speedily to my room. And then life took a different turn from that day on. Now, this reading says, It is kindness on God's part that my father died. Can I agree with that 100%? It is kindness to me that my father died. Because... The lesson that I learned through affliction, couldn't, I couldn't learn them if he, the earthly blessing, was still available. Of course, if uh, you would understand, my dad was someone who was, he was well-placed, doing very well. Uh, if one would want to understand, that he, he, the family was very, very stable, very stable. I mean, we were living in our own house built by him and when it comes to earthly blessings, we had lots of them. But with his exit, a lot of that went away. 
But the fact is that if those things were not taken away, I wouldn't have learned many, many lessons that I have learned even now. As much as one would say it was a painful experience, but the fact is that it was through the earthly blessing being taken away that the mind was open to learn many things. I'll tell you, at that period, I started to read the book of Ecclesiastes. Nobody told me to do that, but I know that I just wanted to study the word of God at that time and I would be walking on the road and asking myself, what is the purpose in life? Not because my father has died, but because death became a reality to me and I'll be asking myself, okay, what am I living for? If I live only to die, what then is the purpose in life? My mind became opened and then I'll be reading the book of Ecclesiastes then and it will ask you the same questions that vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. I started to see every earthly thing as useless. Everything became useless to me. I know people wouldn't have understood then. My siblings wouldn't have understood. When I got admission into school and they were all rejoicing, this was about how many years later after my father's death? I got admission two years later or so. And they were all happy and then expecting me when they brought the news to rejoice. I, I couldn't rejoice. The reason was that life had, had it lost its meaning to me at the time. This was two years later. I couldn't see any purpose in enjoying something in this world only for it to go away later. I couldn't see any purpose of anything. I went to school just to please my mother, I'll tell you the truth, just to make her happy. But eventually, guess what? With that mindset, because just that one earthly blessing taken away made me understand that if earthly blessings are not permanent, then there's no point in having them in the first place. I said to myself, okay, what's the point in going to school, having, getting an education and then anything at all in this life only for it to come to an end? I said to myself, anything that has an end is useless. And I was very young at the time, but this experience opened my mind. While I was in school, it wasn't difficult for God to then make me understand more deeply what he wanted from me. Even in the school, I had I had series of bad results, which made me unhappy but then it was through these experiences that i still got to understand god more because the more i get these bad results after putting so much hard work and then i see these bad results it drives me to god and then eventually i understood the thing just clicked that this is the part of this is part of that vanity trying to labor to please this person and please that person and friends and loved ones I said to myself, I have to narrow down my life to one thing. There's only one person I want to please, and that is God. As at my fourth year in school, my whole life trajectory changed. I focused on one thing and one thing alone, and that is I want to please God. But these things, this experience of narrowing down my life to wanting to please only God wouldn't have happened if the earthly blessings were not taken away. As painful as the experiences may be, whether it is the failures in school or the bad results or the loss of a loved one or the loss of other earthly blessings, your business is crumbling, your family member is dying, your health is going away from you, you are having series of unfortunate events, you do so much hard work but yet you are not seeing the results. Take courage, take courage. It is the kindness of God to bring these blessings to you, to, to take away these blessings from you. And like it says frequently, we learn more when these blessings are taken away from us than when they are left with us.
frequently it is the case that earthly blessings taken away teaches us more than their possession and i can testify to that so is anyone in such a situation today take courage try and find out through these earthly blessings taken away open your mind to understand that vanity upon vanity all is vanity whatever has an end is useless look for something that has no end and that is what god has to offer us eternity eternal life with every time you lose an earthly blessing always let it remember you of the transience of earthly things of the and of the eternality of the things god has to offer when every earthly blessing goes away whether it is a friend whether it is your crumbling business whether it is your health whether it is your life or a life of a loved one always let that remind you that these things of this earth will deem and lose their value then let it make you change your mind and ask yourself what is the point in laboring for something that will not last why don't i use all my energies to labor for something that is eternal let be let that be your mindset because why should i my my own mindset was why do i then waste my energy again on something i know that after i get it i'm still going to lose it that's the way a wise person thinks when i lose the early blessings i said to myself what is the point i'm not going to waste my energy in something that will end i would rather put my energies all of it into something i know that's going to last it's foolishness for me i tell you foolishness to put my mind and energy and resources everything when i know this my 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 wife is going to die my child is going to die i am going to die after getting all these earthly blessings if i don't lose it they will lose me is it that they go away or i go away none of it lasts the wise thing then to do having known this is channel all your energies to get something that will last and i pray that god will really set these things home to our hearts to understand that it first of all it is kindness on god's part to take away these earthly blessings and then secondly to understand the reason why these earthly blessings are taken away which is to turn our minds away from them to the things that are eternal are you losing one now turn your mind away from the others and turn your eyes to the eternal things please do that you will be blessed if you do that may god bless you in jesus name amen For these reasons, Jesus himself said in John 14 verse 27, Peace I live with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus wants to draw our minds to himself. And the kind of peace he's given us is not the peace that comes from earthly blessings. In fact, in Matthew 6 himself, he said, Wherefore, 6.32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God understands that the 
life of Gentiles, or those who do not know God, is based on what they will eat, what they will drink, what they will wear. That's where they drive their peace from. But Jesus said, my peace is not given based on what you have. Why is this do? Why is this love from God? Like my brother said previously, God understands the temporary nature of all these things. All that we have labored for will fizzle away. And what have you come to at the end of your life? As sad as it is, God understands where all these things is ending. If you look back 100 years from before now, people who lived with us on this earth, they hustled, they built, they thanked God for so many things, blessings, testimonies, but both the testimonies and their lives are all gone. What is remaining? Only those who have given their life to Christ in those periods have something else to look up to afterwards. What God wants to do for us is to give us a peace that endures, a peace that is beyond the temporary things of this life. And how can we learn it? As hard as it is, is by the difficulties that we pass through. He wants us to remove our affections from them. Oftentimes, the energy we put into these material things can be very disappointing. I mean, disappointing to God. We put in so much energy into temporal things that do not last. Whereas that thing, that which is eternal, we have little or no time for it. We are almost telling the whole universe, our neighbors, that see, there's something more important than the kingdom of God. And in reality, we find out that it is not true. But we sometimes also have intentions in our heart. It is true sometimes because we don't know how to balance these things. We have intentions to give time to God, but we seem to be on the roller coaster of chasing after the things of this life. If you really love someone, what will you do? What will you do to someone who is absorbed in something you know that will kill him or her? Here in Africa, we we have a story which some people have experienced. An experience where you have a rat, a big rat, that eats up someone's foot while the person is sleeping. I mean, the rat literally eats up the foot, the toes rather, while the person is sleeping. Do you know how it is done? While you are sleeping, the rat will be blowing some air on you, making you feel comfortable while he is doing, it is doing the destroying work. While it is doing the damage, the rat will be blowing some air on you so you don't feel what is happening. When you wake up in the morning, your toes is all gone. Sometimes Satan distracts us with the present things of this life. The only thing God can do is to make you to feel the pain of destruction so that we don't feel comfortable in this life and think that this life is our home. How does God do it? I'll read a quote here, Great Controversy 6.2.2. It says, We should rather dispense with selfish gratifications than neglect communion with God. This is what God wants us to do. Now, it says, 
if we allow our minds to be absorbed by worldly interests, the Lord may give us time by removing from us our idols of gold, of houses, or fertile lands. You see, so God can do that if we allow our minds to be absorbed by these things. And that's why I said it is love from God that our affections can be drawn away from this. So what should we do? We should now acquaint ourselves with God by proving his promises. We should rather dispense with selfish gratifications than neglect communion with God. The deepest poverty, the greatest self-denial with his approval is better than riches, honor, ease and friendship without it. We must take time to pray. We must take time to study. Let us fight. Let us take time to set our minds on things that are eternal. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119 verse 165 The peace that Jesus gives us is not a peace based on things that are seen. As we take time to spend quality time with Christ in meditation, in communion, in reaching out to other people, in living a life that is pleasing to God, our peace should come when we have lived a day or passed through out our duties doing the will of God. That's where our peace should come. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. My meat is to finish his work. That is, his joy, his happiness comes from doing the will of God. Our peace should come. As I'm saying it, it's something that we can pray for. It's not something that may be natural. But we need to pray that God will help us to have that kind of peace that comes from doing just the will of God. You know how it is when you do something that pleases your mom, your mother or your father. As a little child, you're asking, what can I do? And they say, wash the plates. After washing the plate, you come and call your mom. See, I've washed the plate. I've washed the car. I've washed my clothes. See, now your joy is derived from doing the things that please your mom. It's not about the food you ate in the house. You want your mom to get you want to get the, attra- the attention of your mom because you have done something you know that is pleasing to him, to her rather. Or if it's your father to your father. We go to school and we sometimes we want to get good grace to please our parents. Now God is saying your peace comes in doing things that please me. We need to change our focus and it can be done through prayer. Lord, I want to have a kind of peace that comes from knowing you, doing your will. And he will give us that kind of mindset so that our peace cannot be moved. Any other thing we place our minds on in this earth is changeable. But God does not change. That's why Jesus was always looking for making sure that whatever he's doing, please the Father. And then your peace, your joy will come. I pray that God will help us to take a hold of God's strength. I pray that God will help us to love his law, to do the things that please him, to be sure that whenever we are doing, whatever we are doing, we are finding out the will of God. And as we do it, he will return to us peace of mind, no matter the circumstance we find ourselves. May this be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, loving Father, for the lessons that you have taught us through the removal of earthly blessings. 
We thank you, Lord, for the peace that you give to us even during our troubles. Father in heaven, we commit ourselves unto your care and everyone who is listening. There are a lot of people now passing through one trouble or the other. Sickness and the loss of loved ones or earthly possessions taken away from them and they do not understand what is going on. I pray, Lord, that you comfort such a person. I pray, Father, that you open the eye of faith of the person so that they can see the blessing in these things being taken away from them. I pray, Father, that you would comfort that soul and give them peace through their afflictions, that they may find rest in you, O Lord. Today, I pray that you will be with us. As we go out and come in, be with us, O Lord. Help us to reflect your image and to shine the light that you have shed upon us to others, O Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.